Blog Talk Radio. That's the trend. That's what's going on in our society at this point. That's the belief right now. 
Now, we look at the situation with Bubba Wallace, and this is a guy who, you know, worked hard and uh, along with NASCAR, and they finally, they made the decision to get rid of the Confederate flag from their events. And if you know NASCAR, and I'm not a big NASCAR guy, you know, let, let's be clear about that. I don't really watch much NASCAR. But I, I, I do know that the Confederate flag, I do know that NASCAR is in the South. And I do know the Confederate flag is very big in the South. So the, and the Confederate flag is very big in, in, in terms of NASCAR. It's a big deal. They like their Confederate flag. They love their Confederate flag. So when they made the decision to get rid of the, federal, the Confederate flag from their events, it's a big deal. It's really a big deal. And so after that transpired, you had the situation with Bubba Wallace. And you had the situation where they saw that they found the news at Talladega. They thought they found the news. And NASCAR, a strongly worded statement. Last Sunday had a strongly worded statement. Here's their statement. If you forgot, if you don't remember, here it is. Last Sunday afternoon, NASCAR was made aware that a noose was found in the garage stall of the 43 team that is Bubba Wallace. We are angry and outraged and cannot state strongly enough how seriously we take this heinous act. We have launched an immediate investigation and will do everything we can to identify the persons responsible and eliminate them from the, as we stated unequivocally, there is no place for racism in NASCAR and this act only strengthens our resolve to make the sport open and welcoming to all. So that was a pretty strongly worded statement by NASCAR. They said it, and they just said that we discovered a noose. Instead of saying we discovered a rope or we discovered this and that, they came out and said a noose. So at that point, it became a big deal. It became a very big deal. And you could argue that maybe. NASCAR jumped the gun because, we, as we all found out, the FBI said that was there last fall. So it, it's been there. It, it's been hanging around there since last fall. So according to the FBI, it was there. It was a rope. It wasn't a noose. It, 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 there was nothing heinous about that particular rope. That's what the FBI says. And so you see the picture of this rope, and you could – make a, a, a legitimate argument that possibly it is a noose. NASCAR also stated, they also made us aware that, um, you know, they, they went through all their garages. They went through all their garages at all their various racetracks, and they really didn't see anything like what they saw at Bubba, Bubba Wallace's garage, 43 garage. So here it is. NASCAR said out of the six, 1,684 garage, garage stalls at the 29 tracks, only 11 had a garage door pull-down rope tied in a knot. The only one fashioned in the news was the one discovered Sunday by a crew member in Wallace's 43 garage stall. So that, that that's from NASCAR. So, I mean... It's all up who you believe. Then NASCAR jumped the gun with this whole situation. But I think at this point, 
in history at this point in time, it's better to be safe than sorry. It's better to be early than late to the party. So you can argue that NASCAR may have jumped the gun with this whole situation. You could argue that maybe that statement maybe was too strongly worded, and maybe they could have been, you know, instead of saying they discovered the news, maybe they could have said they discovered a rope. Maybe. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, didn't NASCAR jump the gun? Maybe. But it's better to be safe than sorry. And also at the end of the day, with that whole situation, you got to be mindful of this. People are watching. People are paying attention. And if you're late to this, it could affect you. It could affect you in terms of advertising. People are watching. So ultimately, NASCAR made the decision that they made. Ultimately, at this point, I guess we move on. We move forward. But I don't think NASCAR jumped the gun. I think they did what they had to do in this particular situation. And I think, again, you got to be safe than sorry. And and I would compare it to this. And and maybe this is uh, uh, an extreme situation, extreme example. But, you know, we have children out here. And, you know, sometimes with children, we suspect that someone could be doing something to violate a child, right? And we don't necessarily, we, 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 we have an idea that something's happening, but we kind of wait, we wait, we don't do anything about it. And, and ultimately, we find out later that something did transpire. Someone did violate your child. Now, at that point, your child is messed up. He turns into an adult and he's messed up because of those issues and because it wasn't dealt with. So, again, in that particular situation, it's better to be safe than sorry. And in this this particular situation, it's better to be safe than sorry. But it's going to be interesting to see, you know, and, and Wallace has been supported by all the drivers, as we saw there at that race. I mean, they were all behind him, supporting him. You know, he was in tears. So this this is a heavy burden for him. This is a, a, a heavy burden for him. But you know, he, he you got a lot going on. You got a lot going on. You got a, a group of people, in terms of NASCAR fans, in terms of the Confederate flag, that are not quick to give something like that up. So he, he's got a huge burden, and he's got to fight this the best way he can. But it's not going to be easy. It's definitely not going to be easy for Bubba Wallace. And again, I, I I think NASCAR did the right thing, and we'll see what happens moving forward. You can argue it was a news, not a news. I don't know. FBI says no. Um, so who knows? You get the sense that NASCAR believes that maybe it was, but who knows how this will transpire moving forward. But Bubba Wallace, mm, I, I don't know if I want to be him at this point. It's not going to be easy. You had the one race car driver who quit. Because of the Confederate flag situation, it wasn't a guy who was very good. But again, again, it's still, you know, you got a lot of fans out there who love that flag, especially in that NASCAR community. How that situation transpires moving forward, it's going to be truly interesting. So the NBA and the NBA will be back at this point. It will be back um, July 30th. They're planning on going down there and getting started. I know teams are arriving around July 7th in beautiful, sunny Orlando, Florida. But there's got to be some concerns at this point for the NBA. 
and going to Florida. And one of those concerns is, of course, COVID-19. COVID-19 has been a huge concern for a lot of people, and rightfully so, rightfully so. But it's a huge concern. It's canceled a lot of things, canceled sports, canceled school. I mean, school was done from home. A lot of people were working from home. So a lot of people are, are in their house in their house. And so COVID-19 has done a lot of things. It it's did some bad things to the economy. A lot of people are out of work at this point. What, around 40 million people out of work because of this pandemic. And you got the sense that we were flattening the curve, if you will. And it seemed like we were flattening the curve. We seemed like things were getting better. But we got spikes now. We got spikes in Texas. We got spikes in Florida. We got spikes in California. So we got spikes in various parts of the country where we didn't get those spikes. And now the, the other parts of the country that had the spikes, like a New York City, you know, is doing well. Like a New Jersey is doing well. Things are things are good there. They're they're going through all these reopening phases, and life is getting better in those particular areas. But the NBA now they're going straight into Florida. And right now, there are spikes galore in Florida. And so the NBA is going to have that bubble. In Disney World, they're going to have a bubble, and you can't get out of the bubble. You got to stay in that bubble for X amount of days. So you figure July 30th is when they start playing games. Now, July 8th, 7th is when they arrive. So from July 7th, if you're lucky, fortunate to, well, first of all, there's going to be some teams that are not going to make it in terms of the playoffs, so we're coming with 22, but that number is going to be trimmed down to 16. So you're going to have, at that point, 16 teams there. So you're going to start out with 22, and then you're going to go eventually to 16. All right? And that's when you'll start the playoffs at that point. And, you know, obviously you go through the playoffs, and eventually teams will eventually go out each and every round, and the numbers will start to dwindle. The NBA plans on playing eight regular season games before they go into the playoffs, and then there's going to be some tournament at the, for the teams at the bottom trying to get into the playoffs. So it, it's going to be a very – well, if you look at the NBA, and it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens and what transpires in terms of how things work out with – COVID-19. If COVID-19, you know, tends to second becomes an issue, well, you're going to have issues. You're going to have issues now. If, if COVID-19 spikes, you're going to have issues. And it's spiking in Florida. But here's also the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think the, what the NBA is doing in terms of the bubble is a great idea. And, and I think it's going to be difficult for college football to get started. The NFL might be difficult as well. Because the NBA, at this point, they have a right. You can argue that they have a right with this whole bubble situation. It's a bubble. Now, you're not going to be able to go in and out. You got to stay in that bubble. But again, if the numbers are going to start, there's going to be 312 players going into the bubble. So 312 players, and they tested 312 players, and 
16 came back positive for COVID-19. So they're going to have to be in isolation until everything is good with them. But you start out with 312, and again, you're going to lose you're going to lose six teams. So each organization is allotted around 35 people. So you go 35 times six. What is 35 times six? Zero, three, 210 people, roughly, will be at the bubble, and then they'll be gone from the bubble. Now, if we look at it from just a pure player situation, I believe teams are going to be able to take 17 so if you do 17 times six, you're talking about 102 players. So it, the numbers are going to dwindle over time. The numbers will dwindle over time, and eventually it's going to be loose. Eventually there's not going to be a lot of people in the bubble. So I, I feel like, you know, this NBA plan can work. But I, I am scared of a few things. What if someone does? contract COVID-19? What if someone does get COVID-19? What if a player gets COVID-19 and dies? I mean, that is something that, you know, obviously you don't want that to happen. Obviously, you wouldn't expect it to happen, especially from a player, because of the type of shape there. You wouldn't expect a player, if they contracted COVID-19, you wouldn't expect them to die. You, you wouldn't expect them to be, you expect them to survive and be okay. I mean, and, and in reality, most people do, when they get COVID-19, they do survive. They are okay. They are, they're good to go. Now, but you got to look at it this way. Got some older people out there. You could, or not everybody's young that's associated with the NBA. The coaches aren't young. You know, they're, they're not young. You know, Alvin Gentry, he's in his 60s. Popovich, he's in his 60s. So we look at those. D'Antoni, he's in his 60s. So we look at those guys, those guys, and they're not young guys. And so if we look at those guys, them being not young guys, if they get COVID-19, it could be a situation for them. It could, it could be a difficult situation for them in terms of getting themselves right and, and, and surviving. So that is, that is something to think about. That is something that has to be thought about. So that's something that it's going to be interesting to see what transpires with that. And it's something, again, that has to be thought about. It it is interesting. I mean, the NBA has a plan in place, and it seems very detailed, and it seems very thought out. It really does. But you never know what's going to happen until you actually get there and things start happening. Now, in terms of who's not going, I mean, apparently players had until – June 24th to let the NBA know whether or not they're going to the bubble. Now, they had until that time to, to, to let the NBA know what their thoughts was in terms of that. Now, I, I hear that that is a fluid situation in terms of that date. There's players, obviously, that have opted out. You had Avery Bradley from the Los Angeles Lakers who decided to opt out. He talked about his family and not wanting to give it to anybody in his family. Apparently, he has a son that has some respiratory issues. Uh, Willie Cauley-Stein, another guy, Dallas Mavericks, he has opted out. We have, uh, I believe he's having a baby in July. You also have uh, Trevor Ariza, who 
will use the month of July to have visitation with his son. So he has opted out. You have Davis Bertans from the Washington Wizards, another guy who has decided to opt out. Bertans will be a free agent in the summer. So anyway, after the season, because usually free agency happens in the summer. But after a season, he can be a free agent. So, and you understand it from that standpoint, people ultimately have to make a decision that is beyond themselves. I mean, Avery Bradley had to make a decision that wasn't necessarily about himself, but more so about his family. Trevor Ariza had to make a decision that wasn't about himself, but more so about his family. Bertans, you can argue, made a decision for his future in the National Basketball Association because, again, he is going to be a free agent. So his thought is, hey, I got to protect that. I got to protect that. I got to I, I got to protect the opportunity for me to make some money. So he's he, so you look at it from his standpoint. That's his thought process. So you got a lot of people with a lot of different opinions and a lot of different beliefs and a lot of different ideas on why they're coming and why they're not going. You know, and we look at the whole situation and and you had Kyrie Irving and, and Stephen Jackson, guys who've been out there and saying this ain't the time. This is not the time for NBA players to be playing. Steven Jackson believes right now the attention is on what's going on right now. So because the attention is on what's going on right now in terms of George Floyd, in terms of social justice, in terms of the opportunity, because let's, let's be honest about something. This, is a, this might be the best opportunity for, for social justice to, to be done right. It might be the opportunity for things to finally turn out right for the African-American community. This might be the opportunity for them, myself included, to get equality. So I get it from the standpoint, look, yes, it might be a distraction. The NBA comeback might be a distraction. I think you could make that argument. But here's what I'll say to that one. The NFL is probably going to come back. NHL plans on coming back. Major League Baseball plans on coming back. They have dates. Uh, The NFL at this point, they did cancel the Hall of Fame game, which is a preseason game. But again, at this point, the regular season is still intact. They plan on coming back. And the NFL is king in America. It's the most popular sport in America. People care about the National Football League. They don't care about the NBA the way they care about the National Football League here in America. So, you can argue if the NBA is not going to take attention away from social justice, racial inequality, what's going on right now, you can make a definitive argument that the NFL is going to take some things away. The, the NFL is going to take some things away. They're most definitely going to take some uh, people's uh, attention away from this situation, this issue. I, I think it will. So, being that the NFL is going to come back, being like all these other sports are going to come back, you can't just stop the NBA. You, you got to come back as well because they're going to take the attention, the, the other sports are going to take the attention away anyway. So if you're the NBA, you got to come back. And I understand Stephen Jackson and, and, and Kyrie Irving, they got great points. Dwight Howard also was a guy that's been out there saying he's not sure this is a good time to come back. And, again, these guys have fair points. But here's also the thing. 
you come back and play, you get the money that you need to get, and you can use that money. And I know Dwight Howard's made a lot of money, so it's kind of easy for him to deter- make this determination, made over $100 million. So he can say, hey, I, I can miss some money. Kyrie Irving's made is making it made a lot of money. So in terms of his on the court, off the court, he's made over $100 million. So he can say and can afford to say, I can miss some money. But you got guys, you know, at the end of the bench that cannot necessarily afford to say, I can miss this, cannot say I can miss this money, cannot afford to miss money. You got people on the end that can't afford to miss this Money. Guys can, but a lot of guys cannot. And there's a lot of guys, again, in those leagues, especially in, in the NBA, that cannot afford to miss money. You also remember this. There's some people in the NBA, as much money as they make, living from paycheck to paycheck. So if you're missing paychecks, you know, that, that, that's not an easy situation. You're missing out on money. That's not an easy situation. So they need that money. They need that paycheck. But if you're, again, if you're a Kyrie Irving, you're a Dwight Howard, you can afford to do that. You can afford to do it. And I'm not saying they wouldn't do it if they were in a different financial situation. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is that when you have made the money that those guys have made, you can afford to do certain things. So that's something to think about. But I do think, and, and I understand Stephen Jackson, and Stephen Jackson, better than a lot of us, stands this situation because George Floyd was close to him. That was a, that was a close friend to him. He called him. They they called each other twin. I mean, they had a a very close relationship. Those two had close relationships. So I understand Stephen Jackson saying what Stephen Jackson is saying. And again, they are not wrong. They're not wrong. But this also is an opportunity, being that COVID-19 is out there, being that there are still restrictions in place, this still gives people, and being that there's still a large number of people who are afraid. You know, even though States are are letting up on the restrictions, even though states are letting you do certain things that you couldn't do before, there's still a lot of people, a large number of people that are afraid, that are concerned, and, and, you know, believe that, hey, there's still a good chance and still a good possibility that I could contract the virus. So you understand that thought process. You understand that belief. You understand why those guys might not want to go. I mean, you understand why people might not want to go out. You also understand why guys might not want to go to Orlando. Because, again, they have family. And, again, they may be okay, but their family may not be okay if they contract the virus. So that, that that's something that they have to determine. But in terms of Steven Jackson – I get it, man, and 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 whatever you your opinion in this situation is is is, is a legitimate opinion. It's very legit. It's, it's very legit, and it's personal. 
legit and personal. But at the end of the day, I, I do believe these guys have a platform and they can use that platform to spread the message. They can spread the message. There are certain players in the NBA where people care about what they say. It, like, here's the thing. LeBron James, right? If LeBron James, let's just say LeBron James says I'm sitting out. LeBron James, outside of basketball, if he continued to talk and say what he wanted to say and, and, and continue to, to push the agenda in terms of uh, trying to solve the issues of racial inequality and using his voice, using his money and his resources to fix that situation. LeBron James did that outside of basketball. If he decided to skip it, people would care. People would care because he's LeBron James. There's not many that people would care about unless they're playing. Kyrie Irving, people may not care too much of what he says unless he's playing. People may not care about what Kyrie Irving says unless he's playing. There's not many players in the NBA that people care about what they say unless they're playing. LeBron James is maybe, you know, there's a few others. Could you, Maybe Kevin Durant? Maybe. Maybe. But LeBron James is a guy that transcends sports. There's not many guys in sports that transcends where everybody knows who LeBron James is. You don't have to play basketball or like basketball or watch basketball to know who LeBron James is. You can't say that for a lot of people. So I, I feel like the platform that they have with the NBA, the platform they're going to have with this bubble, this is the time for them if they want to speak, to speak. This is the time for them if, if they have an opinion to state their opinion, their opinion. This is the time for them to do what they have to do, do what they can do. Do what they can do. Because, again, even if they decide to skip the NBA season, even if they, the NBA skips this, even if the NBA says we're not playing, other sports will play. I, I think the NFL is definitely going to play. I'll be shocked if the NFL doesn't return. Stunned. Now, I do think logis- logistically it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult. Yet, Dr. Fauci, everybody knows who Dr. Fauci is. Uh, you know, big-time doctor, you know, a guy has been out here talking about the coronavirus being in the forefront uh, throughout this whole pandemic. Um, he says the, M- the NFL is going to have to adopt or believes the NFL needs to adopt a bubble type of situation, a la the NBA. And that's darn near impossible. Because you look at the way the, M- the NFL is constructed, you know, everybody plays on Sunday. Anybody plays on everybody mostly well you play on Monday, you play on Thursday, but mostly everybody plays on Sunday. So a bubble is impossible. They're gonna have to have bubbles, plural, multiple bubbles around the country, which now at that point I would think opens things up in terms of the possibilities. And again, you know, we could talk about, I mean, if you win an NBA championship this time around, some people say, let's put a little star next to that. Let's put an asterisk next to that. Because 
you know, you're you're playing in a situation that is different. It's different. It's, but you can also argue that, you know, home field home court advantage is real. Home court advantage is real. That's why teams fight for home court advantage because it is real. Now you can argue that we're going to see who the best teams are because it's going to be in a neutral situation. Because, like I said, home court, you you can look at, look at the Philadelphia 76ers, right? This is a team that at home are world beaters. I mean, that team is a totally different team at home. Totally different team at home. And so, being that they're a totally different team at home, I mean, Philadelphia was 29-2 at home. 29-2. So that team, when they played at the Wells Fargo Center, was a world beater. They're a tough team. Based on their record, darn near unbeatable at home. 29 and 2. When they took that show on the road, it was a totally different situation. 10 and 24 on the road. So, 29 and 2, darn near undefeated, darn near unbeatable at home, 10 and 24 on the road. Now, with this bubble situation, there's no such thing as home court. It's neutral. It's a neutral situation. No such thing as a as, as home court advantage with this bubble. So it's going to be, you could argue, the best team. And, and here's the thing with the NBA. Best team usually always wins. Now, you can look at last year. Last year, if Steph Curry, not Steph Curry, Kevin Durant doesn't get hurt, Clay, you could even argue if Clay Thompson doesn't get hurt in game six that the Golden State Warriors would have beaten the Toronto Raptors. I, I do believe if, Kevin Dur- if, if Raptors completely healthy, Warriors completely healthy, Warriors are a better basketball team. But, hey, injuries are the great equalizer in sports sometimes. And in that particular situation, injuries was the, equal, was, it was the equalizer. It was the equalizer. It changed that whole series. So you can argue, God forbid, let's God forbid, um, Jonas Antetokounmpo gets the coronavirus in the second round of the playoffs, right? Now, let's say conference finals, he gets coronavirus, right? At that point, the Milwaukee Bucks, you figure what? They say you get the coronavirus, what, 14 days, two weeks? You have to quarantine, isolate yourself, get away from everybody. So, at that point, with this truncated schedule, and it would be difficult for the Milwaukee Bucks to win an NBA title. So it's real, and, and so that's that's a a dynamic that's going to be interesting. LeBron James gets the coronavirus. Lakers in the conference finals. Gets the Clippers, hypothetically speaking. Two weeks, LeBron's out. Kawhi Leonard gets the coronavirus. Two weeks, he's out. So 
it is definitely something that we have to keep our eye on. It is definitely something that is going to be an interest. It's a game changer. You're going to miss the fans not being there because you you feel the energy in the building. Players are going to miss. It's going to be like an AAU. Only the people are going to be in the stands could be other players or maybe some family. Broadcasts are probably going to take place from studios, just like this. Studios all over the country. Mike Breen might be in New York. Mark at his house, Mark Jackson in New York or wherever he lives in his house in Van Gundy, wherever he lives in his house. Marv Albert in his house, Chris Webber in his house. I mean, that's what we might get in this particular situation because the leagues are going to do everything in their power to make sure that no one gets the coronavirus during this time. And so the leagues are going to do their part. I think the leagues are going to do their part. They're going to try. I mean, and and like I said, I said earlier, could you imagine someone died from the coronavirus, a player or a coach from this situation? So you you have to weigh all the pros and the cons and weigh the risks. But, you know, money is money. And if you're not playing, you're missing out on money. Players, owners, everybody. Everybody. So you got to, I don't say you got to do this, but I think, I think it's worth the risk. And I think, I think, I think it'll be fine. I think the NBA plan is going to be perfectly fine. NHL, I believe they're, they're looking at two different sites, bubble type situation. I think that could be pulled off as well. It's the most popular sport in America. So I think the powers that it's, people are going to find a way to get that out there. But I think that's going to be also a difficult situation. I, I think that's going to be not also a difficult situation. I think that's going to be a difficult situation. I think that's going to be a tough one to pull off. Not impossible. But I think it's going to be a tough one to pull off. And I also, in, in terms, in the, like I said, the NFL plans on playing their full schedule. But in terms of baseball, right, baseball, Major League Baseball, they finally agreed. They finally came together 60-game season. Took a long time. They should have been playing in March because they had a perfect opportunity. I mean, they should, they, should, they should have been playing sometime in April or, or May. They should have been playing. They should have found a way to get this thing together. They apparently had an agreement, some type of agreement in March. But they should, be, they should have been playing already and taking advantage of this opportunity to draw people back to the game of baseball. Because if we look at the game of baseball, they have a lot of older fans, but not a lot, not a lot of younger people are, are, are flocking to baseball. It's not 21st century friendly. You know, people at this point, you know, with the phones and the, and all the things that you can do with the phones, people with the phones, they're, they're, they're going to, uh, you know, you got the phone. You're, you're going to uh, – you, you can do so much with that phone. You can be entertained in so many different ways on so many levels, ways that you can't – you used to not be able to be entertained. So an NBA game with its up-and-down nature is going to keep your attention. An NFL game is going to keep your attention. A hockey game 
is going to keep your attention. Now, I know hockey is not as popular as baseball here in America, but a hockey game with up and down nature is going to keep your attention. Soccer. Now, I know there's not a lot of points per se, a lot, a lot of scoring, but it's up and down nature might keep you into intent in on it. You might might keep your attention. So Major League Baseball, a lot of laws in the action, a lot of pitching changes, a lot of guys jumping in the batter's box and slapping their arms and their feet, their legs and their bat 50 times before they actually get ready to swing it and get ready to take the pitch. So it's not 21st century friendly. It's not. So baseball had an opportunity now. Get out early, get some new fans, and, and just draw people to the game because people are going to give it a shot because there's nothing else on. You look at boxing at this point. Boxing is, is, is back. Top-ranked boxing has been doing some things this summer. And I, I contend this. Now, you know, obviously you're not going to get a big-time fight at this point because of – the gate you're not getting any gate you're not getting any fans so you're losing that money and so the promoter he's not going to put all that money out there if he's not going to be able to make money but you can also argue that this is a good time because of everything that's not going on this would be a good time to put a fighter out there put a good fight out there because while you might lose some money you might have an opportunity to draw some new fans to the sport of boxing UFC got out there, and, and, you know, they're doing events. So this is an opportunity. It was an opportunity, I think, for baseball, a valuable opportunity. But now you're going to be competing against basketball. You're going to be competing against the NFL if they play a preseason, which we shall see. You know, you're going to be competing hockey at this point. Now, again, baseball is more popular than hockey, but, again, it's still competition. And if you look at playoff hockey, whether you love hockey or not, there's nothing in playoff hockey in the level of intensity of the of playoff hockey. So you can hate playoff. You can maybe not be the biggest fan of hockey, but the intensity of hockey is like no other playoff hockey. It, it's big. It's huge. It's intense. But also the good thing with baseball is the 60-game season. So instead of 162, you have 60 games. And so the games matter more. In the NBA, you're going to come right back and you're going to be into, if you're a team at the bottom of the standings and fighting for your playoff lives, every game is going to matter. And if if you're a team fighting for, well, standings really don't matter at this point. You know, ultimately you want to get in, but, you know, one of the reasons you want to get the best record possible is you want to have home court advantage. Well, that's not going to be anything. That's not going to be an issue. Because it isn't going to be home court advantage. Now, you, you might want to be in a certain position so you can get the most favorable matchup, which is understandable. You know, if, you, if you're if you at the fourth spot, maybe you want to get up to three or two so you can get a team that is easier to beat. So, I mean, if you're at the seventh spot, maybe you want to get up to five. If you can, so you can play a team that might be easier to beat. So, yes. In terms of all that, again, home court event, the records are not going to matter as much, uh, but it is going to matter in terms of matchups. They're not going to matter, matter in terms of home court events, but it's going to matter in terms of matchups. So that is something that, you know, you got to keep your eye on. 
and look at. But if you're at the bottom of the standings and you're fighting to get into the playoffs, the last right, you know, last regular season games are going to matter a little bit more for you because you want to ultimately be in a tournament, and ultimately have an opportunity, and ultimately have a chance to win or get to the NBA playoffs. So you can maybe pull something off. I mean, this is the year where if a team can come together, a few things go their way. I mean, it's possible. I think you're going to have people coming back, and who's going to come back in shape? Who's going to come back out of shape? I mean, there is a lot of, you know, a lot of variables here. Remember, what was that, the 99 lockout? Sean Kemp came back, was not in shape. It was never the same. Never the same after that. Came back and wasn't in the best possible shape. Who's going to, I mean, you look at the Sixers, right? And I, and I point to the Sixers because you got Joel Embiid, who is a guy that has shown the ability to get out of shape quick. Has not always been the guy who's always been in the best of shapes. If he comes back and he's not in tip-top shape, that could change things. I mean, that that's something to think about. If these, you know, if these guys don't come back in the best possible shape, not only will they affect their team because they don't have the wind or the stamina to do what they normally do, but there's also the possibility of injury. There's always the possibility of injury. And so the Lakers obviously can't afford to lose LeBron James. The Clippers can't afford to lose Kawhi Leonard. The Denver Nuggets, who, you know, Jokic, tested positive for COVID-19. They need to have him if they want to have a chance to win an NBA title. The Utah Jazz, they need Donovan Mitchell and Gobert. Mike Conley, they need these guys. Oklahoma City, they need Chris Paul. Houston Rockets, obviously you need Harden and Westbrook. Mavericks, you need Luka Doncic. You need those guys. You know, you need those guys if you want to make a move. And if you're the, the Memphis Grizzlies, you need John Morant, a Jaron Jackson Jr. You need those guys to be healthy. So if you don't have those guys healthy, it's going to be an issue. You're the Bucks. You need Jonas. You need Middleton. You're the Raptors. You need Siakam. You need Lowry. You're the Celtics. You need Jalen Brown. You need Jason Tatum. You need Kemba Walker. You're the Heat. You need Jimmy Butler to be at his best, to be healthy. You need Bam Adebayo to be healthy. Pacers, you need Oladipo. You need Malcolm Brogdon, who tested positive. You know, you need these guys. So these teams need these guys to be at their best so A, they won't get hurt, and B, they'll have the stamina to perform at a high level. So it's going to be interesting. And it might be a situation, a la last season, where the best team doesn't win. The Golden State Warriors, was the, they were the best team. Golden State was the best team in the NBA last year. Talent-wise, there was not a team better. Borna, Golden State Warriors, talent-wise, was the best team in the NBA. Best team. Now, you can argue, hey, 
The Milwaukee Bucks had the best record in the NBA last year. But I don't think there were many teams who felt they were better than the Golden State Warriors. But the Golden State Warriors were better than the Toronto Raptors. They were better. The Toronto Raptors had a better regular season record. The Golden State Warriors were the better team. Now, obviously, injuries, all that. So it should be interesting to see what injuries do this time around and how much they affect teams right now as they prepare or as they go into the season, the restart, the reboot of the NFL. I'm excusing the NBA, which July 30th, you know, we'll we'll be out there. Hopefully players will be out there. And hopefully they'll play. And you might be in a situation. I mean, the league shut down March 11th. By the time they get started playing again, it'll be – I think they're going to have a little preseason, so it'll be mid-July. It's about March, April, May, June. It's about four months, three, four months since you played basketball. So you got to look at the rust factor. And you might run into a situation – out the gate where the basketball really doesn't look that good. The basketball might look a little sloppy. Might not be the best brand of basketball you've ever seen right away. And, again, depending on conditioning, that might not get better for for weeks. Because you have eight regular season games, right? And, for like I said, for some teams at the bottom, those games are going to be like playoff-type games. So you have eight regular season games, and then you go into intense basketball, which is playoff basketball. That's an intense level of basketball. That's win or go home in in, in certain situations. So that's going to be – you almost have to expect injury. You you almost have to expect injury and be surprised if it doesn't happen. you got to be surprised. I want to go to Malcolm Jenkins for a moment, going to the NFL. Um, Malcolm Jenkins now talked about, you know, the coronavirus, and he said, quote, the coronavirus has to be eliminated before he would be comfortable returning to play. I mean, that's what he said. He said that on CNN. Again, he is now a CNN correspondent. So, he's you know, getting another job. He got another job. Definitely got another job. He said this, football is not an essential business, and so we don't need it. We don't need to do it. So the risk, you know, has to really be eliminated before we, before I would feel comfortable going back, end quote. That's not, that's Malcolm Jenkins. That's what he said in terms of his concerns about going in and playing. I mean, it is a non-essential business. It is. I mean, it is. There's, there's no getting around that. It is. It's not necessary for people for National Football League to play. It's not necessary for people to play football. It's not necessary for people to play basketball. It's not necessary. Now, and it's going to be, well, obviously economies are going to be affected. You figure the neighborhood in and around the stadium. I mean, you've got eight games, 60 to 70,000 people, week in and week out in the neighborhood, maybe getting dinner, things of that nature. Um, that's not going to be there. That's not going to be there. Now, I know the NFL is looking to, to do some things in terms of uh, uh, various things to to have advertising in the stands, 
somewhere for them to be able to recoup some of the dollars they're going to lose because they're not going to be able to bring the fans in and get that gate money. But, I mean, it's not, it's not, not, it's not essential, but if you talk to certain people in certain areas, they might tell you that it is essential. They might tell you that we need this for our economy to flourish. Look at, look at, look at, look at, look at a place like, like this is college football, right? But let's look at Penn State, right? Uh, it's a college town. Everything in that town, Happy Valley, Happy Valley State College, PA, revolves around Penn State. And so, you got those football dates where you know, hundred thousand people in those stadiums. You know, obviously the hotels benefit. Obviously the restaurants benefit. And any other type of establishment like that, any entertainment establishment may benefit because people are going to be around. And so if you're at Penn State, you might not, you might be in a position where you probably won't have fans or may not have fans. So what do you do? You, you, your, your economy needs that money. You're, you're going to miss out on that. You're going to miss out on that. So, I mean, Again, in the grand grand scheme of things, yeah, football is not essential. But it also depends who you talk to. I mean, you look at the NBA, right? I mean, 41 dates that they have. And the NBA got through most of their seasons, unfortunately for them. But there's still some things out there. So, And you got teams that are going to be in the playoffs. You're not going to get that playoff gate money. You know, so you're missing some money. You're not going to get those last, for most teams, 18 games in the regular season. Um, let's just say nine and nine, you had nine road home games. So you're missing out. I mean, teams are missing money. They're missing money. I mean, it could be worse. could be no season at all, but teams are missing money. So if you're a team, I mean, or you're, you're, you're a team and you live in a certain neighborhood in a certain area, you can say football, basketball, hockey, Baseball are not essential, but for some people, it is essential. In the grand scheme of things, yeah, if we look definitely not essential, it's not it's not essential. But if you're missing out on dollars and cents, it becomes essential. It becomes essential. So we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll see what happens. We just have to cross our fingers and wish for the best. But the spikes that we've seen around the corner, the, the country, and again, I, I, I'm I'm no expert. This is not Dr. Gann. This is doc, this is not Dr. Fauci. Paul Gann. I, I'm no expert. I don't have uh, a doctorate. I'm not a doctor. So I don't. Whatever my opinion is, it's just merely my opinion. Whatever I say here. It's just how I feel. I don't have any type of expertise in the area. But it, it, it appears, and a second wave is coming. Who knows when that second wave is going to come? Some say we're not even past the first wave. So I, I don't know. If this, I, I, again, I'll repeat myself, NBA, I think they'll get it done. Hockey, I think they'll get it done. Baseball and football might have an issue. It might have an issue. 
But we'll see. And, and when it's all said and done, all these sports could have an issue, and none of them might not even play. They're wishing for the best. They're planning for the best. They're hoping for the best. But some would argue what might be best is that they sit down. I would say at some point, sometime, you know, you got to take the risk. You got to take the chance, and whatever happens, happens. You, you, and not whatever happens, happens. You don't want nobody dying. But I think people, if given the opportunity, or or posed with the question, would you risk going getting COVID or trying to? And or, would you risk getting COVID nineteen in order to feed your family? Most prob most people would probably say yes. I, I would take the risk. I would take the risk. It's worth it. So that's that. We'll see what happens. But let's just hope for the best. But we're going to be here on YouTube talking sports and having fun doing it. Obviously, we're at Blog Talk Radio. Obviously, we're on iHeart. But we're going to be here talking sports, having fun doing it, and, you know, giving you my opinions, my ideas, and my beliefs. That's what we do here. We give you your, my opinion. I give you my belief. I give you all my ideas on how I feel about the world of sports and beyond and beyond. So hopefully, hopefully you'll be back to join us and hopefully we can continue to talk sports and having fun doing it. I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank everybody for Again, you can listen to this show and other great shows, talkradio.com slash began. You can hit us up on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash go for it can. Hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash go for radio, and also on Twitter, at go for it can. For everybody here, go for it. We hope you have a great day. See you later. Take care.